Good morning, everyone. And um, we're celebrating uh, the solemnity of the Holy Trinity. And uh, I hope you had your coffee, because here we go. So I'm going to begin with the easy piece of this, and that is the scriptures themselves. The scriptures assigned to today's solemnity is chosen because each one speaks about uh, the persons of the Holy Trinity. The first one is, comes from the book of wisdom, the wisdom books, Proverbs, and it speaks about what the Father has done. And it talks about creation. And um, funny enough, uh, wisdom uh, has always been personified in the Old Testament in the female. Uh, for those who speak other languages, you know, uh, Spanish, uh, agua is well, considered feminine, but it's not really. Uh, but uh, I'm pointing this out because in wisdom, uh, it's referred to in the her. Um, but um, when we take a close look at Proverbs and see what wisdom is doing, uh, it's a reflection and mirror of the Holy Spirit actually. And, uh, but for me, what became even more was the joy that the Holy Spirit found so much joy uh, in everything and found the human race delightful. And um, we people need to get back to that playfulness sometimes that we see the Holy Spirit being. And uh, we get so focused on so much negativity in the world, but there is so much beauty and so much love, and so much hope that should cause our hearts to be joyful in things. Our second reading speaks about the Son and uh, uh, what He has done. He has redeemed us, and He has justified us, and in doing so allows us to enter into relationship with the Father. And then in our third reading, uh, it speaks about what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit sanctifies and the Holy Spirit informs. And um, my friends, uh, last night I went on and on and on and on and on and on about the <laughs> Holy Trinity. I don't know if people left it. They were just like, Ooh, <laughs> get out of there. Father's going on and on and on and on about the Holy Trinity. But it's important because uh, uh, the church teaches that the Holy Trinity is the central mystery of the Christian faith. It is absolutely important for us to understand. And... Uh, Last, last night I thought about, okay, how did my professor, Professor Turk, teach us? Now, she had 12 weeks, of course, to do this. She began with definitions. We need to define the words we're using so that we understand. And then from that point, it was all about um, metaphysics and philosophy. <laughs> uh, thank goodness I got that degree in my philosophy because it really helped. But so, my friends, uh, the one thing I want to tell you is that... Uh, um, we will never fully understand the mystery of the Trinity, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid or that doesn't mean we should be frustrated. Uh, uh, this is a marvelous truth about God uh, and that we can appreciate, uh, even if it's veiled in some way from us. As Jesus, uh, we're told in the gospel, I have more to tell you, but you just can't handle it. <laughs> uh, I get that. Um, and our professors told us that some of our difficulty comes from our language that we use. And... Uh, in particular, when it comes to God and Trinity, uh, the word person becomes problematic for us. And uh, they went on, in short, to say what person means uh, in theology is different what, from what we mean when we're talking about the human person. Um, and Professor Turk went on to say we make a mistake 
in looking at the three divine persons, and God is the same way we look at human people. Uh, of course, and then I said, well, didn't Jesus become human? To which she was, I'll talk to you after class. <laughs> I've learned to, to be quiet sometimes. Um, and there is a complete distinction between the human person and how we understand this. Um, and uh, um, when we refer to people, uh, they're separate and from each other. You know, sometimes we'll say, oh, we can see in Mark, uh, uh, he's definitely the product of his mother, uh, but I am not my mother, <laughs> and I'm not the same thing, and I'm distinctly different, uh, and can never be her, and she can never be me. Um, and this is kind of what um, we talk about when we say person, but in we were to apply it to the Trinity, to the divinehood, um, then the logical path would be that there would be three gods. But um, there are three divine persons, uh, and they're not persons in the sense that we mean it when we speak in humanity. Um, each divine person is God, whole and entire. Um, but there is only one God, as the scriptures tell us, because the distinction between them is only um, and I have to always be careful with this because it still falls short, is in the relationship to each other, um, for lack of a better phrasing. Um, and the scriptures, as I pointed out, these three scriptures kind of assign, ascribe to uh, the Trinity, um, the same God who produces different things. And uh, we get that from 1 Corinthians 8, 6, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 6. But that brings me to John's gospel and what John is, uh, says, God is love. And my friends, uh, uh, this is how I've always tried to approach the Trinity because if not, I just get headaches about it, uh, you know, trying to understand it. Uh, and that, um, I think this is the reason why my professor gave me the grade she did, uh, which was an excellent grade, one of the only ones I got, uh, <laughs> uh, was because I approached it um, by relationship. I walked entered into the understanding of the Holy Spirit in relationship. John says, God is love. Uh, you have to have an other in order to love. If God was just by himself, in our understanding, properly cannot love. You have to have what we would, um, Augustine would say, there's a lover, a beloved, and uh, you need this. So, the first thing that this tells me is that God is communal. God is family. God is relationship. Because John says he is love. Oh, he must love something. What does he love? He loves, first and foremost, the Son and the Spirit. Because they have existed from the beginning. Which is... <laughs> that brings us into uh, Michelle Heitzman was talking to me yesterday. He said, Father, you know, maybe you should approach it from the creed and talk about uh, what we mean by begotten. And then when I got home, I said, no, <laughs> no, they'll be here until Monday morning if I begin with, if I attempt that. Um, but um, so my friends, uh, as I enter in uh, to this, um, John 10, 30 says, the Father and I are one. This is Jesus speaking about his Father. And in John 17, 11, um, Jesus goes on to say that they may be one as we are one. And then just to whew, 
In John 17, 21, here's what Jesus says. So that they may all be one. As you, Father, and I are one. And you are in me, and I am in you. And here comes the one that always gives me the... That they also may be in us. That they may be in us. As it was in the beginning, I believe is what he meant. When we were all together. And something changed. Hmm? And um, I can say with great confidence, properly speaking, we cannot love what we do not know. So we've come to know the Father because of the Son. Jesus has revealed his Father. And we've come to know about Jesus because the Holy Spirit tells us about Christ. That's what that last reading from the gospel is talking about. He will tell you everything. He will remind you of everything that I have told you. What has he told us? Everything I've told you about my father and about his relationship and about how he loves you. And so then in this we see that uh, we begin to break it down. God the father is creator and uh, God the Son then is the Redeemer. He redeemed our relationship and changed it. And the Holy Spirit is the sanctifier and uh, wisdom. And these are not just images and pictures. Uh, this is the very presence of God. And he wants us to know this so that we can love him. Because he loves us. And he loves us because he knows us. But in order to love him properly, we must know God then. And... Uh, the doctrine of the Holy Trinity puts into human words the Christian experience of God as revealed by his Son, Jesus, to us. And my friends, of all the monotheistic religions, uh, of the three great ones, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, only Christianity holds this about God as Trinity. The other two don't, and they shake their heads at us. Like, what are you talking about? What is wrong with you? That makes no sense. <laughs> to which... In my head, I'm like, I know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, it doesn't make any sense, that's why I get headaches. But yet, it is true, because it is in the scriptures, and the Son has revealed this to us, and the Holy Spirit continues to guide us and to teach us. On the one hand, oftentimes, I'm always like, let others try and explain, let Aquinas and Augustine do this. Let us just experience um, this holiness, this trinity, this family, this community. Um, so my friends, uh, uh, what is helpful, um, and this is one of the things they teach us in Trinity or Triune class, is that um, nature. Nature is what one is. So what is Father, Son, and Spirit? What is their nature? They are God. And person is who one is. Who are they? Father, Son, and Spirit. To apply it to myself, who, what am I? I am a human person. Nobody better raise that eyebrow. Sometimes, Father, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're really cranky. Well, that would be human, right? <laughs> but who am I? I am Father Mark. 
different. And uh, it got even deeper with a professor, and she was using these images of our brains and stuff, and I, was, I don't want to go there because it took me two weeks to... It was just one of those times when I just... It was two weeks later, I'm like, oh, 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 that's what she meant. Darn, I didn't get in time for that exam, though. Shoot. <laughs> so, my friends... Um, the teaching of the Trinity then becomes our, the central mystery of the Christian faith. So important. And in the Most Holy Trinity, Christians profess that there is one God, but three divine, distinct persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Trinity is in fact a mystery because the human mind cannot fully understand it. And uh, this poses challenges for all of us, especially modern thinkers, uh, both uh, inside the church and outside the church, um, because it's so important. And uh, many great thinkers would say, because it's so important, logic and reason should be able to explain it completely, and it does not. Many great thinkers have tried to explain the Trinity using all types of images and uh, I try to stay away from them because sometimes I don't understand them completely either, and they always fall short. Uh, but one of my favorites was uh, one that was put forth in our class about the sun. Uh, the sun manifests itself in three distinct forms, heat and light and energy. And I thought, oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. That kind of works. That was easy to understand. Of course, any and all analogies fall short, and perhaps the most solid approach comes from the scriptures then. And uh, I look to the Old Testament um, where we see these revelations beginning. And, uh, and uh, the first thing I can say is God never chose to give us a theological tristes on his nature. He didn't write a document and then send it to us. Although maybe that would have been easier. Huh? But he did reveal himself in history. And the revelation is found in all of the scriptures, Old Testament and New. Starting from the beginning, uh, we caught a piece of this in the Proverbs, but um, really in Genesis, um, we find that God first revealed himself as creator, as father, if you will. And then eventually, as the scriptures progress, we see the Son and finally the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, we see God acting then as father, creator. He created the world and all that is in it, and nothing existed without him. And nothing came to be without him. We see the Father's great love of you and I because the scriptures tell us that we were made in his image. Not dogs, not cats, not goats, not cows, not the comets, us. We are made in his image. And that tells us the great love it takes great love to do that. Of course, mothers and fathers know that, don't you? Mom and dads get together, and that great love produces the offspring. God created us in his image, giving us authority over what he had created. And even though humanity at times has made a mess of things, God has never remained distant from us. Through covenants made with Abraham, and Moses, God put forth his love for us and his care and his desire for us to be in relationship with him. Through it all, God has sent prophets 
with a constant message, I love you. That is the message, I love you. Now, Jesus came to clarify things with us. He would send, eventually, his son to us to reconcile and to justify and to help us to understand. But I think most importantly, he sends his son. His son teaches us how to live as children of the Father and how to be with each other because that is the perfect family, the Trinity. So he begins to show us and if you will, the father takes steps back and allows the son to take center stage in this part of salvation history, teaching us. Jesus spent his life teaching and preaching about what? About the father, about the relationship, God's love for us, and his calling his creation, that's us, to redemption and forgiveness so that we may return he shows us by word and deed then how to be God's children truly. Ultimately, Jesus would sacrifice his life for us. It is his death and resurrection, his paschal mystery, um, where revelation ceases. What I mean is Jesus has come and revealed all that there is. And I don't mean any dissing on any other of the religions or on other Christian denominations or on any seers, but there is no more. Jesus did it all. We can only move deeper. That's what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. Here's what he said, but you didn't understand, so let me help you to understand. As the Word of God, Jesus is the perfect, perfect revelation of the Father, and there can be no better ever. But still, I look to the apostles, and as Jesus said, you don't understand. You can't handle it now. They could not comprehend Jesus uh, and fully understand his message. And what they really found uh, even more uh, difficult than the div his divinity was his resurrection. So he actually had to come back in the body, and I joked last night, uh, to the point where Jesus is having barbecues on the beach with them to get them to understand. And on the one hand, it's brilliant. And it's very loving. He shows up and makes breakfast for them. And because ghosts and spirits don't eat. So this mystery of the resurrection, they didn't understand and Jesus comes to help, and then he sends the Spirit. God sent the Holy Spirit to bring, to, not only to fulfillment the work, the ministry of Jesus, but to help us to continue to try and understand. The Holy Spirit has been enlightening the church and helps us to understand and to accept everything that Jesus said and revealed. The Holy Spirit guiding and enlightening the church so much so that it is expanded to all the ends of the earth and it still exists over 2,000 years later. The Holy Spirit signifies the continuing and abiding presence of God in our world, helping the church to understand and to put into practice the reality and teachings of the begotten one, Jesus. So now you understand the Holy Trinity. I condensed everything right in from 12 weeks down into 15 minutes. Did you get it? 
So Father can go home and just relax now? <laughs> you have no idea the torture I put myself through through the week as I prepared for the Holy Trinity homily. Because <laughs> it's difficult. Let us celebrate the most holy trinity. Let us give thanks to the Father who created us and God the Son who redeemed us and God the Holy Spirit who continues to live with us and with the church, making it full of life and joy and sanctifying grace for us. The holy trinity is a marvelous mystery of love. This central mystery of Christianity, the holy trinity, is our human way of speaking about the very nature of God, not only the inner workings of God, but the exterior, if you will, of God. And about God as the infinite depth of love in himself and about how God expresses this love in relationship to us. God's love is a trinity of expressions in the divine persons. They constitute a community among themselves. And they push themselves outward. That love is so great that it created everything else. And then draws everything into itself. And my friends, what this means ultimately is ultimately that one day, one day, you and I will return to that community, to that family, perfect in holiness and love and togetherness. All of this, all of this means that. And in that, our hearts should be filled with joy. And as Jesus said, in that day, your joy will be complete and no one will ever take it from you again. Amen? We are never alone because the scripture Jesus also revealed that those who love, when we love, he said, he said, not the church, Jesus said, my father and I, we will make our dwelling with you. Here is the other piece of that mystery. Even now, as I wait and you await to be with them, the mystery is they come and make their dwelling with us. And we should be joy-filled always in all things because of that. Amen?